0: feel a bit puzzling maybe it's that confusing car insurance policy or working out the right protection for your health home and family or feeling unsure if your pension is on the right path Aviva can help make these conundrums click Solve your financial puzzles? It takes a viva.
1: Is what you're doing still doing it for you? They, she, we, he. I am EY. For a purpose that inspires me, and a culture that accepts. For a team that relies on me and makes me better for it. Knowing I'm always respected for being absolutely me. For my work to have meaning. Ideas becoming actions and my direction my own. For leaders that challenge, guide and support. Empowering me to be all I can and bring everything I am. My skills accelerated. My voice amplified. For always feeling heard and saying without hesitation. I love what I do. That's why, ey. Mom,
2: I got the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She got the job. Who yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. got the job?
2: Ready? She got
3: the job. She got the job. She got the job.
2: Yeah! Find your I got the job job on Total Jobs. Hello
4: everyone, my name is Fiona Brunskill. I'm the Chief People Officer at Transport for London where we employ over 27,000 people directly and about 54,000 if you include our first level of supply chain and we move over 10 million people a day across London through our various modes of transport. We make a massive impact on young people by having a tonne of employability schemes, whether they be our steps into work, which help neurodiverse individuals join our organisation, or whether it's our award-winning apprenticeship schemes, grad schemes, and intern schemes. So this is my Duvet Flip, where we'll learn about my career journey, my industry, And throughout my conversation with young Jack, hopefully discover some interesting facts about TFL as well. So thanks for having me, Jack.
3: You're welcome. And I'm one of those 10 million people that uh, you help get across London and uh, help me to help youth to get into work. So thank you. Thank you. So we we start here because there'll be a number of young people tuning in from different walks of life, different situations. We've also gone live on LinkedIn now. So over 30, I think it's 31% of our audience are over the age of 30. So you've got all different, like me. Yeah, (laughs) you said it, not me. Uh, All different, all different type of people tuning in, mums, uh, dads, parents. And it's just, it's just lovely because this show is all about how can we help young people get from A to B? And what, better person to have on than the chief people officer that helps lots of people get to A to B at the organisation you run but to start here I would love to hear your career journey in 60 seconds from the start to how you got to where you are now and we're not, we've we got a timer but we're not going to go if you go over the 60 seconds it doesn't matter but share a little bit about your kind of journey
4: okay so my first ever job was in a bakery when I was 16 um, and needed money because um, you know that was that was where um what you did in the northeast of england at the time so um made lots of cream cakes and lots of pasties and probably ate as many as what i made but anyway that, that's another story and then i went to university in manchester worked in bars worked in nightclubs before traveling to Australia um, and went and traveled the world. So did that proper, proper backpacking year out, it was more than a year, ended up nearly two, where I worked in a casino, where I worked in pokey bars, where you ended up doing the poker machines and so on. And then when I came back, realized it was time to get a job um, and settle down. So I started off my career from um, a professional lens at Barclays as an HR advisor. Um, I was there for about two years. I then moved to Group 4, um, SecuraCore, which I was there for for about three years as a regional HR advisor. Then I joined ASDA. I spent the bulk of my career at ASDA over 12 years doing a variety of different roles. And that's really probably where I moved from having a job to a career, um, was given a lot of opportunity, had a lot of people who you know, took a risk on me and who encouraged me to try something different. And I ended up working through a tonne of different jobs there um, and leading the retail labour relations team, um, something I'd never done before, but dealing with all of the trade unions as from a retail perspective. And then moved from there um, to Coca-Cola. Was at Coca-Cola for five years, um, running sort of the HR teams and the labour relations teams and joined Transport for London in January 2020. 20, just before the pandemic started um, as originally director of business partner and employee relations before moving into the role I'm in now.
3: Wow, what a career. Isn't that exciting? I, I've got so many questions. Come on then. I want to I <laughs> start at the bakery. Yep. Yeah. So what did that job teach you before? Like, I want to just go down memory lane hmm. a little bit. So you, you turn up, you got your job. Yep. What's something that you didn't know before going into that job? That you wish you knew that has kind of stuck with you that you want to pass on to young people so when they go into their first job yeah. they can uh, they can have uh, words of wisdom yeah. from you so the first thing was
4: i literally trawled every shop in newcastle to try and get a job with a piece of paper that had my name my address and where i was going to school um so it was about having that persistence and resilience just to keep on asking so loads of organizations weren't taking anybody on and, you know, so would I say bakery was the first chop, um, first um, chop at choice? It was probably not. Um, ideally, River Island or somewhere like Fenix was definitely up there where there was clothes and makeups and were a bit more trendy. They they weren't available. Right. So if you want to go and get a job and get some work experience, then you take what's out there sometimes. So started at the bakery, um, had a very fetching pink uniform. Um, it wasn't very with press studs all down the front that sometimes stayed fastened and sometimes didn't. But what I learned was actually, you know, you have to go in, you know, you turn up, you go on time, you're polite to people, you're friendly to people. You accept that people have different backgrounds. And that was probably the first place, really, where when you are brought up in whatever environment you brought up in, you, you have your own lens on life. And actually, the first thing it taught me was people will come from different perspectives all the time. It doesn't mean you're right or they're right it actually means that there's difference and starting learning to understand that um is something that probably was my first lesson in both life but also in the work environment so
3: everyone has a different lens everyone has a different and lens. you have to respect that lens yeah. and accept it
4: yeah well accept yeah. it and understand yeah. it um you don't necessarily have to agree with it so i think sometimes you will hear things or you'll meet people where they have very very different views and opinions to what you have And that can be hard because by nature, as humans, we look for confirmation bias in what we do. So we like to find things that prove us right. So when somebody has a different view, it can be easy to dismiss that as either they don't know what they're talking about or they don't understand or, you know, they're ignorant on this issue. Actually, taking time to understand where they're coming from and their perspective helps you more as an individual. You don't have to change your mind, but at least you can understand that somebody's got
3: a different
1: absolutely
3: so you you was walking around (coughs) you was trying to go into river island and all these different places all the trendy shops all the trendy shops trying to find a job Mm. and then you ended up at the bakery yeah how did you keep going with this piece of paper walking around because after two three no's it's easy Mm. to say yeah "Mm, okay maybe not no one's got an opportunity i'll just give up yeah how do you build your... You talked about persistence and yeah. being very persistent. How does young people build their persistence? And how do they not let the, the embarrassment... Mm. It can be quite embarrassing yeah. getting to know, right? Yeah. Get in the way.
4: Yeah. So, and I think that's a really good question to ask. I think part of the thing that was driving me at the time was I came from a background where, you know, my parents didn't have any money to share with me. So if I didn't get a job... I wasn't going to be able to do some of the things i wanted to do whether they be go out with friends whether they be buying new clothes whether it be by makeup whether it just be you know get the bus instead of having to walk to where i wanted to be so what was driving me was i don't really have a choice um and and that maybe gives you a different a different sort of mindset which is you know i wasn't in a background where if i had have had a choice maybe i would have given up a bit earlier I think sometimes it's about going, it's never personal. Somebody doesn't know you. So when you're getting a rejection, and that's what it is, and that's what humans are not predisposed to that well, it can seem like people are rejecting you for being you. They're not. Um, 99.9% of the time, they don't have a job. They don't have a job. You know, if Brad Pitt walked in next or, you know, sort of Princess Kate or anybody, they would probably get the same answer. So it's about framing it in a way that says, right, okay, I didn't get this one, but there's another one. And eventually, you know, the laws of averages and statistics would say a job will come up somewhere. So how do you make sure that you don't internalise that rejection, you know, get frustrated, get upset, you know, talk to somebody, but actually keep on going as much as you can just to say, well, that door didn't open, maybe that door wasn't right for me. So I'm going to keep on going until I find one that is. Um, And don't be too proud about, you know well i don't want to work in this job or i don't want to work in that industry or i don't want to work when my friends will see me both of my children got jobs um one of them's just turned 16 at the local convenience shop in the village where we live um, and that what i've tried to teach them is don't be bothered if your friends come in and you're in your nice blue co-op uniform it doesn't matter you're earning money you're earning you know an honest sort of wage which is really really important and that's that's what you hold dear and you're you're going to have money to be able to get your nails done or get your Mm. hair done or or buy your makeup or whatever else you want to do so it is you know really just considering what holds you back maybe from going to certain industries or certain um places of work understanding what they are and how you can deal with that
3: i think that's lovely per rejection is not personable Mm. personal don't don't in put, bring in internalize, internal, it. internalize yeah. it and keep going. Yeah, right. And don't be embarrassed because something might not be trendy. Yeah. But actually, working at sixteen, did you yeah, say sixteen? Bloody, that's amazing opportunity, mm. right? Yeah. You can get up. You can learn. You can yeah. learn. You can learn. And, you, and I just think that's yeah. really great. So, do you think you you should start early? What age should you try and get experience as much as you can?
4: So. So my personal view, and I know people will have different views, and I think some of the parents listening might go, well, does it get in the way of schoolwork? Does it get in the way of, you know, activities that children might have? Is yes, work, because what it gives you, if nothing else, is the understanding of, you know, how do you, work, how do you deal with other people that are outside your social groups, or outside your school group, and outside your family group. So you will have to deal with people who you may never have come into contact for before, That's a really, really good skill to have, to know how you're going to talk to people. The second bit is, guess what? When you have a job, you have to get there. It's not optional. You know, if you don't go, somebody's going to have probably a conversation with you. That may not be the -hmm. nicest conversation going. So you have to go. So it teaches you, you know, you need to be there. It teaches you about how to exist in a workplace, how to get used to it. And when you're young, you have plenty of opportunity to make mistakes Sometimes, if you leave getting a job until you finish your education, and by that I mean sometimes people are at university for five, six years, what you don't have that people who've started work is that real understanding of the culture of a workplace and how to fit in. So, my view would be, as soon as you can, you know, as long as it doesn't impact on, you know, everything else in your life, you should get a job.
3: How do you? What are your tips for dealing with awkward people? Because it. Job, teach you, job teaches you how to deal with people. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with the awkward ones? Because you're going to go into jobs and there's going to be people that you do like, mm. you, you don't like, and at the end of the day, like you have to turn up, you have to just get on with it. Yeah. What's your advice to young people who are either going to a, a new job, uh, they're, they're studying, like, what is your advice mm. to dealing with people that they don't want to deal with?
4: Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever heard of the concept of your inner voice, Um, you probably have and most people, but that's the the narrative that runs through your brain all the time when someone's talking to you, when you're thinking, and it's telling you sometimes what you're not saying. And my advice invariably is keep that in there. Because actually, if you're getting really frustrated with somebody, and we'll all have it, which is, and we've probably all seen it, you know, you might have had a teacher who's spoken to you in a way you don't like, where you're like, you know, in your head, you'll have a dialogue running, going, why are they talking to me like that? Who do they think they are? And so on. That's the same with any kind of environment that you work in, especially when you're working with customers, um, and especially with people who may be a bit disrespectful to you. And the easy thing sometimes is to lash out and say what you think but invariably it ends badly and the reason it ends badly is you then end up in a probably quite a frank exchange of views that doesn't really move anyone forward and killing people with kindness is often the best thing so I worked in retail from a young age in a bakery and and people would talk down to you sometimes you know that you know they'd look at you like you're you know you don't have an education or that you're in a dead-end job it doesn't matter what they think you know that's not true so actually holding to yourself that you know thank you very much, and being really polite to them. It's very, very difficult then for someone to continue to be awkward back to you. So kill them with kindness, genuinely kill them with kindness. Accept that that voice running through your head is there, but keep it there. Keep it internal. And and, and find a way of letting that voice out at an appropriate time, in an appropriate forum, with the appropriate people, so it doesn't internalise too much. But you know, that killing them with kindness. Um, what does killing them
3: with kindness mean? Being
4: like, overly polite, you know, thank you very much. Um, I hope you have a good day, you know. Thank you for sharing your opinion. You know, just leaving it at that and not getting into so the when date. someone goes
3: low, you go high. Yeah,
4: exactly. You stay at the level, you know, that you want to be at. The only thing you can ever control when dealing with others is your reaction to it. That's the only thing you can control. And when people say, well, I couldn't help myself, you could. You can always help yourself. You might get really frustrated, but you can always help yourself. So how do you keep that control and be the person you want to be? So at the end of the day, when you're brushing your teeth and you're looking in the mirror, you go, I did well today and I'm proud of myself.
3: Have you ever lost control?
4: I think everyone has. So anyone who says that...
3: And how did you... uh in an example, how did you kind of, like, bounce back from that? Because so, you can put your hand up and apologise, right?
4: Well, one, you can put your hand up and apologise. Two, the hardest person to admit to is yourself that you've behaved in an unreasonable way. So sometimes you have to just sit there and go, I've let myself down. So, yes, you've had an impact on somebody else, and you're absolutely right. How do you correct that? You apologise. You, you don't sit there and seek to explain away your actions or how they cause you to react in a certain way. A simple sorry, I'm sorry I've made you feel like that, is enough. Um, Don't then go into a long explanation about, you know, why. But actually, it's dealing with yourself and understanding what, what made that trigger happen and how do I stop that happening again. So it's a long, long time in the work environment, a long time since I've ever been in a place where I've not been in control. The other bit that's a handy tip is write an email, but don't send it. So if someone's really frustrated you, allow the brain dump. Do not put their name in the two send, <laughs> because otherwise can be yeah, it can very easily go. Yeah, can go to but them. But write that, leave it, come back to it the next day, Illegal. rewrite it, and then send. Smart. Because if somebody's made you feel, you know, not included or, you know, unwelcome or made you feel that you haven't delivered something, you know, and you feel you have, you've got the right to call that out, but call it out in a way that's professional, that's not emotional and that actually tells them what you want them to do to help move forward
3: and and from what you're saying learn to pause before yes. pressing the trigger yes. right yeah don't just press send come back <laughs> come, back, back, to yeah. it. come yeah. back to it yeah so so you you did the bakery mm. and then you went traveling so, then i went traveling yeah so, after working in bars at university yeah, so you and did some yeah. bars work yeah. and stuff and then you went traveling yeah and you went to australia yeah you had a plan to go there for a year and ended up being never two?
4: Yeah, nearly two, yeah.
3: <laughs> so what did that teach you about life? Like and I think, what, did you learn hard skills, soft skills there? I know you said you worked in a casino. Was it a casino? casino like, tell us do, a yeah. little bit about that experience. And why is it important for people... And young people to step outside their towns now and then. That doesn't mean go no. travelling, but yeah. that could mean going from one town yeah. to the next. Or uh, if you're in London, go and see, go to Manchester. Yeah, uh, go and experience different kind of places. What did that teach you about life? So a hard skill, and, and genuinely
4: for anyone listening, don't gamble more than what you can afford to lose. Make gamble, You know, if you're going to gamble, have it as a fun activity and set yourself a limit. Because I saw probably the worst um, where people had lost. in a machine, just sat there all day. Someone else walked along, put a $2 in and won the jackpot. You know, so it is luck. So, you know, there's a serious lesson there, which is if you're going to gamble and you can apply that to anything in your life, you know, make sure that what you're doing is thoughtful. In terms of soft skills, having that independence of you're 24 hours away from all of your support network means you grow up quite quickly because you know if, if something goes wrong like your tap leaks or if something goes wrong that you didn't get a job or you break up with your boyfriend you you have to find a new way of dealing with all of that mm. so that would be the first bit which is it gives you that independence and independence of thought the second bit is it really helps you with cultural understanding and you don't have to go abroad you're absolutely right going to the next town sometimes can give you a different view and different perspective of life but what it does show you is everybody will have, depending on their background, depending on their life experiences, a very, very different outtake to what you have. And you will find people who are similar and you'll find people who are very different. And actually understanding people's strengths and weaknesses and what you need to be successful, whether it be at work or at home, requires on people coming with different skills to the party. So if everybody's just the same... You'll over-index on something. But there'll be a whole host of things that don't get done and get missed. And you don't speak to everybody then either as well, because actually what you want is you want to include the vast majority of people, whether it be in a work environment, whether it be in a home environment. You want as many people to feel included in your conversation as possible. The more you
3: understand different perspectives, which is what travelling taught me, is is and you call really it important. culturally understanding yeah yeah so how do you how would i culturally understand going into somewhere and how does that relate into culturally understanding a organization at an interview
4: yeah <laughs> so it's what's important so if you look at it so if i look at australia so you look at australia and you think well it's going to be pretty much the same as england you know most people have the same you know values belief what, systems rainy. <laughs> <laughs> it does rain. If you go to the yeah. Northern northern yeah. Territories, it does rain. But, you know, you, what you get is the positives of yeah. it's really nice weather all the time. You can go surfing. There's really good beaches. Um, and, and that's true. Um, but also, there's other parts of Australia, and, and I'm talking when I was there 25 years ago, which is not maybe as advanced socially as what we are in the UK. Um, they're probably a bit more conservative than what, what, than what we are, or they were when I was there. Um, and, you know, they tend to all be clustered just around the outskirts, obviously near, near the sea. So you get the benefits of you're always near a beach, you're always near that. But actually understanding why there's difference, even though people look quite similar and even though they may behave quite similar and the fashion's quite similar and the institutions are quite similar, the way they view the world is very different. And one of the things that really stood out to me when when I was there was the climate was starting to emerge in the UK. Mm. It wasn't really talked about in Australia. So sun was, because obviously it was very warm, but fossil fuel, rel- fossil fuel reliance and, you know, it's heavy industry. But understanding why is really important because just saying to people, why aren't you doing something about this? They, they Their industry and economy relies massively on mining, on mm. heavy industry. So that that's what was driving that. So. Um, so taking that and then go, well, how do you bring that into an organisation and how do you understand what an organisation wants? Really understanding an organization's mission and values, what's it here to do? So if you go and work for a big bank, you know, shareholder value, making sure you've got return on investment, making sure you're driving a profit is always going to be quite core to what they do. You have to understand whether or not that aligns to your own values. Mm. If you go and work in the public sector, you know, there are probably not the the same drive for efficiencies, but it can be slower to get things done because it tends to be more consensus driven. It needs a lot more political stakeholdering. That takes a lot longer. So what it can cause a frustration with is it just takes too long to get things done sometimes. So it's weighing off whether you're, you know, what's really important to you. So if you're somebody who really is dynamic, wants to get things done quickly, you know, wants to make an effect change very quickly, you need to go and find an organisation and industry that's going to allow you to do that. Otherwise, you're going to get very frustrated. If you've got a strong, strong social purpose at your core, working for a bank that's maybe very profit-driven or shareholder vision might also cause conflict for you and therefore doesn't line with your values. You know, if you believe in public health, working for a tobacco company or an alcohol company might conflict Mm. with your values. So it's understanding what the organisation is there to do and then really, really driving, actually is that something that aligns with me.
3: So where would I go to find a company's missions and values? So it
4: should be on the websites. So every big organization will have a website. You know, within there, there's usually a piece about what about us, where it will talk about what they do and what they're here to deliver. And then it will also talk about who the executives are and who the core management team are. And you can usually find out about them on LinkedIn so you can see what kind of material do they post, what kind of of debates do they comment on. So you can understand a bit more about the culture by sometimes doing some research around that rather than just going... There's a website and it says the great at everything. Mm. Doing a bit of digging around who the core
3: personnel are. is always And helpful. if they don't have the missions and values on the website, ask before you Yeah, ask. Right. Yeah,
4: yeah. And most good organisations will share a candidate pack with people and will say, these are the things we want you to know. But you can always ring up a recruitment team and say, can you tell me a bit about the organisation? A lot more organisations are going online now and doing podcasts or doing, um, you know, sort of profiles where you can see a day in the life of a different job. So you put like today, yeah, right? a bit like today, so you can understand, you know, what kind of values are driving are driving the organisation.
3: Well, talking about values and missions, one, I'm going to try and make you another cup of tea, okay, um, because I want uh, we're going to take a break for five yeah. minutes and we'll, we'll be back in five minutes with the second half. So we'll see everyone in a moment.
2: clever about selling yourself short.
3: Oh my God.
2: I can't tell you how many people, when you dig into their success stories, look how many failures they had mm-hmm. first. And what marks them out is their character. And you can control your character. You know, how you respond to loss, how you respond mm-hmm. to adversity. And what was the last thing you lost? My job, um, uh, I suppose. You've got to be honest with yourself, what went wrong. You've got to then have a realistic plan to put it right. And, you know, bags of determination and self-belief. And the fear of failure, I think you've got to get over that.
3: How do you not let that get to you?
2: I wouldn't say love the adversity, but respect that the adversity will make you better. I've been privileged to see you at various different junctures and it was very inspiring then, but look how far you've come. It's amazing. (laughs) And if you just relentlessly focused on moving forward, learning the lessons of life, I think it's a recipe for success. And don't let others dictate to you your view of the world, let alone yourself. I said I wanted to be true to my convictions. I wanted to find the right life partner and give my kids the best opportunities I could.
5: Bank is the largest bank in the UK that you have never heard of. You know, the environment's very challenging, I think, for young people. Therefore, seek out every opportunity.
3: Don't underestimate how long it's
5: gonna to take to get up in the morning. <laughs> and I always say, if you're not five minutes early, you're late. I think when anyone is starting a Saturday job and you're a teenager, the biggest thing is getting out of bed. That commitment piece is really important. We know that there are young people for whom actually going to university, spending three, four years, isn't something that they want to do. They want to get out into the world of work immediately. We've got an operations talent programme. Lots of different types of ways in which you can actually come into the organisation and understand what's available.
3: So go into a meeting looking for that curious conversation. Absolutely.
5: So I think it's always striking a balance between not sort of interjecting at the wrong times or too frequently, whilst at the same time, if you genuinely have something to say that can add to the conversation and to the discussion, you should absolutely say it. So even though I've been at the bank for 25 years, I feel like I've had five different careers. It's a cliche, but really, fake it till you make it. We're looking to grow our businesses. That really is the best advice.
0: Finances can sometimes feel a bit puzzling. Maybe it's that confusing car insurance policy. Or working out the right protection for your health, home and family. Or feeling unsure if your pension is on the right path. Aviva can help make these conundrums click. Helping solve your financial puzzles? It takes a viva.
1: Is what you're doing still doing it for you? They, she, we, it. I am EY. For a purpose that inspires me, and a culture that accepts. For a team that relies on me and makes me better for it. Knowing I'm always respected. For being absolutely me. For my work to have meaning. Ideas becoming actions and my direction my own. For leaders that challenge, guide and support. Empowering me to be all I can and bring everything I am. My skills accelerated. My voice amplified. For always feeling heard and saying without hesitation I love what I do. That's why. EY. No.
2: I got the job!
1: She got the job! Who got the
2: job? (laughs) Ready! She
3: got the job! She got the job! She got the job! job. Uh,
2: uh, Find your I Got the Job job on Total Jobs. I'm so
4: excited, I can't tell you, you know, I just want to scream and shout. (laughs)
3: Have you ever had an experience where you've gone into a job and thought,
6: what have I done? I felt sick to the pit of my stomach that I've made a bad mistake. I mean, I was ashamed to get a final written warning. And it is the ability to be able to take those, um, those situations and genuinely learn from them without letting them destroy you.
3: Today's news is tomorrow's chip paper.
6: So if it doesn't feel right, If it doesn't look right, it probably isn't right. You know, an awful lot is common sense, and one of the surprising things about common sense is it's not very common. Make your choice, make the choice conscious, and then when you are wherever you are, be present when you're present. Am I learning? Can I have influence, and am I gonna enjoy this? In any situation, there are things you control and there are things you can't control. You've got more control than you realize, but equally, don't fret about the things you can't control, because that is the definition of madness. There's a real
3: lesson there, isn't it? It's find the miracle in every situation. Yeah,
6: yeah. Failure is not fatal. Your ability to bounce back and be resilient, for me, is the thing that has made me who I am.
2: So we're back for the second half which is uh, great and that first half went
3: so quick did it go quick for you it went very
4: quickly very quickly i did really? tell you i like to talk so you, you, you do like
3: to talk but you talk with sense <laughs> thank and you i like that <laughs> i want to i want to just touch base before we broke you talked about private and public sector working mm. for something like a bank from working something like to, to a, a public sector mm. what's the difference between the two and what what how would I know if I'm working for a public sector organisation or a private sector? Because you've obviously, you've done both, right? Yep, I've Uh, done both. So tell us a little bit about the difference and what kind of, um, what do you see as the difference for young people to kind of go, oh, okay, maybe public sector's better for me than private and and vice versa?
4: So the public sector is non-profit um, and it usually is either working directly for the government or for a local authority. So for Transport for London, we work for the Mayor of London. So he is the chair of our board. He sets the strategy of what we are there to deliver for all Londoners. And that's what we are then therefore there to do. We don't make a profit. We, anything, any money that we, or any revenue that we make goes back into supporting the network. So you don't have shareholders. um, And the organisation is owned by taxpayers and fair payers fundamentally. So all of us. A private company. So you're either going to be listed on the stock exchange. So you're owned by multiple shareholders and therefore they will expect a profit. Um, so a return on their investment or they can be owned by private individuals um, who also will, re- will expect a return on investment as well. So there is a third sector, which is a charity sector, um, which is Also, usually non-profit, any profit that they make goes back into supporting the charity. But generally speaking, the two that you'll see mostly in the UK are the public and private sector. Um, So you tend to have very different cultures, generally in the private sector. So if you use retail, you'll have the big supermarkets. So you've got your Asda's, your Tesco's, your Waitrose's, your Sainsbury's, Morrison's, loads (laughs) of others. They all compete with each other. So... If you work in those sectors, you'll often find that it's always about well, how do we get more sales than than the others? How do we become you know sort of better? How do we have better products, better services? In the public sector, so if you work for Transport for London, there's no one else providing that service, so you don't have any competition, um, which means that you're purely there to serve the needs of the public. Not having any competition though, sometimes is a dual edged sword because. <laughs> This is why retailers are often so, so good at what they do. I mean, the UK retail sector is probably one of the best mm-hmm. in the world um, and they really are always driving innovation. So that means better products for the, for, for the rest mm-hmm. of us to go and buy. Um, they're always driving down prices because if they don't, they won't be able to stay in business. They'll lose market share, they're not profitable. In the public sector, you get the security of the fact that a service will be provided. What you don't always get at speed is some of the innovation.
3: You know what? When I go to a different country, the first thing I do is go into a local supermarket. Mm. Yeah, and you're, you're totally right. You can see the biggest difference. Yeah, uh, I went to a, a Berlin recently, and mm. they didn't have check. They didn't have self checkouts where we yeah. we've had them years now, yeah. haven't we? Yeah, is it is interesting. Item in the bag area. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, and what? Who would sort suit a public sector company versus a private company? Mm. What kind of individual? And I know I don't want to stereotype because no. everyone has their different ways. Yeah. But what kind of works really well that you've seen mm. when you've hired in private sector mm. young individuals versus yeah. public sector?
4: So I would actually say I don't think it's about an individual. So I'd start with saying there are really good careers to have in both. So I don't think one's better than the other. I think it's more about what are you looking for at that point in your career and having a mix of both would be my absolute advice to everybody. So I'd spent all of my career in the private sector until recently. Um, I think that's allowed me to come with a different view to maybe people who've been at TFL all the, all the time. doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean they're right, but it, it just, it's a different view and different perspectives are good because they drive debate and discussion. So but I think what I've taken by joining the public sector, what I get back from TfL is that real social purpose If I'm here to do what's right for all of London. How do we help London, you know, get around as efficiently and as effectively and as safely and as inclusively as possible? So you get you get bits from both. What I would say is for most people now, you should be considering a portfolio career and you're going to say, what's a portfolio career? That means working in different organisations and doing different jobs. If I use Transport for London, and this is a massive plug for us, we are all based within the M25. We are probably one of the biggest employers in London by a long mile. But because we're in such a geographically short area or small area, it allows people to try lots of different careers within the organisation. So when we bring in our apprentices and our graduates and our interns and our Um, sort of programs that help people um, you know access employment they're able to try different roles and our general management um, apprenticeship and graduate scheme allows people to work across the organization so you get to have a little bite at things to go actually what really engages me what drives me so but I would also say you know sometimes it's right for people to leave to go and get a different experience and a different viewpoint Mm -hmm. And then maybe come back. And that's what we sometimes see is people leave to grow their experience and skills and knowledge and then they come back and they're more rounded because of doing that. So and what about, what about
3: pay? is so, there is there a, like cuz like you hear you hear all the mm. time that oh you can earn more in the private sector mm. than the public sector and a b and c uh, but yet yeah, again i'm a big believer yeah. what what makes you happy get yeah. up do a job that makes you yeah. look like, is that is that true how do, how does that work not necessarily
4: and i would certainly say mm. not necessarily when you're doing your first level entry roles mm. um most public sector organisations abide by, by the living wage standard so yeah. Um, probably pay young people a bit more. Maybe what you don't tend to get in the public sector is any variable pay, so bonuses or performance awards or share schemes. So, but you don't tend to get those that much anyway when you're more junior in your career. Mm. So that tends to impact sort of people when they've got, you know, when they get to a certain level, mm. senior manager, you know, sort of the they've got more experience under the belt. So. That's the biggest difference. I, I don't think there's as much difference in base pay. Um, and in the public sector, you get uh, pensions might sound like they're a long, long way off to everybody who's young. No. But believe me, the earlier you start saving into one, the more sustainability you're going to have in your, in, in your older age. So um, there's, there's
3: swings and roundabouts. And how important is it to start your pension early early and how early was you we had the um group CEO of Lloyd's banking Mm. group in Charlie Nunn and he didn't start his pension until he was 30 and he said that's that's very bad yeah (laughs) 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 we we told him off but Mm. like because it's easy to go "Mm, well I'm young it doesn't matter oh that's isn't that for old people tell us a little bit why it's so important to kind of yeah. Start really early.
4: So my advice to everybody is join a pension as soon as you can because you never miss what you don't have. Um, and usually there's some tax benefits as well, which is that you don't have to pay tax on that money um, when it goes into pension. So what I would say to everybody is start saving as, as early as you can because then you don't need to save as much. Otherwise, as you get older, you end up having to put more and more in and most of us don't want to live an old age of destitution, you know, just having co-baked beans out of a can. So mm-hmm. it's really, really important that you take care of your own financial health. Um, all organisations have to offer a pension now. So in the in the organisation where I work in, there's a final salary scheme, which means that it pays out based on what you're earning when you, when you leave the organisation and you you pay a fixed amount in. Other organisations won't have that arrangement, but every organisation has to enrol you into a pension scheme and they have to put money in. So in effect, you put some money in and your employer puts some money in. So you're already making. So see it as a long term savings plan.
3: Absolutely. And in terms of the organisation, what are some of the roles that you we wouldn't really know about across the organisation that when you when you join, you have oh, that's an interesting yep. one. Uh, Share some yeah. of those kind of career opportunities.
4: Yeah, so at TfL, we are really lucky that we have um, so many roles because we're responsible for all of the the strategy of how London moves. So that might be the Elizabeth line, which is recently opened. That was down to TfL. You know, how do you design? How do you build it? How do you make sure it's running? You've also got, obviously, the roles that most people will see. So you'll see things like our customer service assistants who help you at our tube stations and our tube drivers and the bus drivers who work... our partners but also we've got spatial planners and you might go what's that well it's how do you build in london you know how do you use your land we're the biggest landowner in london so we've got our places for london property arm which is all about building affordable and social housing for londoners so again a real social purpose behind that around how do you really drive that so people can live and work in london we then have our finance teams and our procurement teams and our hr teams and our legal teams you know and our safety teams so There are so, so many roles available. You can have a full career somewhere like TfL. Um, Most of our apprentices, if I look at my own um, area of the business, which is HR, they all tend to stay in in the role of the scheme and go into really well-paid, very good jobs within a professional area. So we support people with their professional development and we give people opportunity to be able to grow and thrive.
3: So as an apprentice, what would I expect on my first kind of week? Or do, do, like, what does it feel look like and feel like?
4: Yeah, so your first few days, you know, you're going to be welcomed into the organisation. You're going to get to meet people from every part of the organisation who talk to you about what they do. That will seem really overwhelming, right? You go in. And again, all of these facts and figures and all of these people come in going, oh, this is our priority for you. So the first few days is always going to be a bit of ground rush. Um, it's a bit like when you finish your GCSEs and all of a sudden you go, oh, what do I do now? I'll finish my A-levels and what do you do now? So, but then you'll go and meet your teams and then you'll go into your department. So the first few weeks is going to be about understanding what we're here to do, understanding the organisation and then what we do is we put people onto different placements. So they'll spend six to nine months on a placement where they'll work with a team and they'll be given a project within that team to develop. So they build relationships, they build networks,
3: but they also get to see an output of something that they deliver. And I think that's really important. That is really important. How does, how does one really maximise that onboarding? because it takes two to tangle right yeah and A number of times where we've heard oh yeah it's the onboarding it's a bit of training i just want to get on with the job mm. but that part you can yeah. maximize that so much yeah. while you are training if you were starting again yeah and you was doing that onboarding what would you, what would you be doing like what are your tips
4: yeah listen go and spend time understanding why things happen because you're absolutely right There's a huge rush sometimes. I just want to do something. I've got a job. I want to do something. I want to deliver something. Actually, what happens is it's a bit like if you don't build the foundations of a house. Mm. Yes, it can look really nice, but a bit of wind or rain comes and it slides away. So if you don't have the foundations of, you know, what the organisation stands for, why we're here, what are we here to deliver, what's happened before you've joined so that at least you're picking up the story, then you might design something, but it doesn't work um, or you might, you know, present something and it doesn't work so understanding that and spending sort of the first few weeks really trying to get to grips with what is it that I really want the other bit is never be afraid to ask a question and it doesn't matter who you ask a question of if you don't understand something if you're stuck if you're worried just put your hand up and say it isn't me oh I I didn't quite get that or would you mind explaining it again because quite often Mm -hmm. you can see people haven't got it on the face and so when you go to them do you get that you shouldn't be embarrassed Mm -hmm. if you don't just look around yeah just just go and ask the question so own the questions ask the questions and make notes Um, and make notes so you can refer back to them in your own time
3: have you ever gone into somewhere where you've not asked a question and regretted it
4: oh yes (laughs) and you still do I've sat in a meeting and this was the only other day and there was an acronym and I thought I don't know what that is and then I thought maybe it'll come up in the document and it didn't and so you're then trying to have a discussion or a debate and you're don't actually know what people are talking about. So even now I have to ask, you know, even in my role, and I'll go, uh, can someone just tell <laughs> what, me what this means? What does that mean? And actually, you know, it, it's also a piece of if if people haven't asked that, how do we write how do we write information so people can at least pick up
3: enough, you know, and how did you build that of? confidence to kind of say, okay, we're in this meeting and there's this term keep coming up. Mm-hmm. And I just pulls the room for a minute and can someone help me yeah. to understand it? Like, where does that come from and how can young people build that? Yeah. Because I think that takes a little bit of time, doesn't it?
4: It does. And But what I would say is if you're thinking it, most other people will be thinking it. And yeah. how many times, even probably at school or in lectures, do you walk out of a room and go, does anyone know what they were talking about? And everyone goes, no, I didn't either. So actually take comfort in the fact of, um, you know, other people are probably thinking it. But the second bit is just ask the question in a way that says, can I just check my understanding or would you mind just explaining to me what this is? So you don't have to go, I don't understand you. You can actually frame the question in a way that is curious um, and being curious about it. You know, most people welcome people being curious. You know, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, so being a curious individual is, is quite a good, a good sort of thing And do you of, think enough people are curious I think people are often embarrassed to be. So it goes back to the story at the beginning about, well, how do you keep on going and knocking on doors saying, can I have a job, can I have a job, can I have a job? It's that bit of, you should never be embarrassed. You know, it should be about, actually, it will help me understand. And when I get home that evening, I will know more than what I did at the beginning of the day.
3: How long did it take you to be curious? And I the think- reason why I say this is because five, three and five leaders that come on, talk about curiosity Mm. and it just comes up, be more curious, go ask the questions. I I totally agree. Uh, From all walks of life, when did you become curious and how can we start building that into British culture? Yeah,
4: so I think it's probably innate in all of us. We just maybe don't let it bubble to the top. So I think most people want to know why things happen. So if you look at very young children, they'll often go to you, why, why, why? And you probably did that, and I would have done that, and probably everyone listening to this call would have said mm. that. Sometimes we stamp it out of children by going mm. to stop asking questions. <laughs> Teachers do it, parents do it. I know I've done it with my children, you know, you go, oh, I haven't got time to answer. But,
6: yeah.
5: but
4: actually, that's, pro- so we've all got it, right? So let's start with the, we've all got curiosity. We'll maybe
3: just need to polish it up a bit and, and get it back out. It's quite, we kind of, we have it when we're young, and yeah. we lose it. Yeah. And then when we get older, we also then ask all the questions again. Yeah,
4: exactly. And But we lose it probably because people have made us think that you shouldn't ask too many questions or, you know, people don't give us the time when we ask the questions. So actually, how do you polish that off? And how do you... One, curiosity isn't just about asking others. It's going and researching. So when you're going into school, when you're going into college, when you're going into work, what do you listen to? You know, do you take the time, even just once a week, to go... I'm going to go and listen to a podcast on something I didn't understand at school or I'm going to go and watch a program, you know, on iPlayer or I'm going to, you know, how do you do that? So how do you build a bit of your time into self-learning and reflection? And secondly, it doesn't have to be the person who's giving you the lecture or the person who's talking to you that you ask the question of. Ask your friends and ask them, you know, well, what did you think? Do you agree? Um, And go and seek out those opinions that may be different to yours to understand well, why do you think that? Rather than in an accusatory way, well, can, what, what makes you think that? You know, what, what evidence do you have? How do you, how do you support that view? And be prepared to be open-minded
3: to change your own. That's really cool because find those moments where you can learn. Mm. I did a paper round when I was 13 mm. years old. It made me 15 quid a week. Mm. And I was bullied in school until I, in year nine, when I took that, could do that mm. paper round and I invested it in judo lessons and yeah. I become a black belt in judo. Well done. <laughs> But you just, you know, when you, mm. we, you have conversation with people and it you, mm. you just made me reflect. Every morning when I was delivering the papers, I was reading, I'm dyslexic because mm. I find it really mm. hard to read, but I could pictures and when it's not much text, mm. it's big, I can read yeah. it. I was reading the front pages of every single newspaper. Mm. So when I went in school, I knew what today's news were. Yeah.
4: It's those little things, It's those little things, yeah, yeah. So download Sky News. I mean, my daughter hates me for it, but I made her download Sky News because I was like, what's happening in the world? You're you're doing your A-levels now. You should know. You know, you don't need to know everything. You don't need to read all the article. But what's happened today, that was big. There's so much going on that we should be involved in as a society to have a conversation about or at least understand what other people are talking about. You don't always have to have a view on everything. But at least if somebody talks to you Mm. about the awful events that happen in the Middle East,
3: you understand what that is. I agree. So from bakery to Australia, Australia to Asda to Transport for London, Mm. what would you say is your invisible success? What has made you successful in your career? Yeah,
4: so probably the biggest thing is not taking no for an answer. So quite often people will say to me, oh, no, no, it won't work here. And I'm like, "Or you can't do it. You need... And I'm like, well, why? So seek forgiveness. Um, don't ask for permission sometimes. So um, I, I say that with caution. So that doesn't mean you go off and just write a cheque for a million pound from your employee. <laughs> but what it means is challenge what you think is the right thing to do, but only do so after you've understood why things are done a certain way. So it's so easy sometimes to come in and go, well, why does that happen? Once you understand why does that happen, if you still think mm, this is not the right thing to do or we're not going to get the right outcomes challenge and no one's ever stopped me so people will often go you're not allowed to well says who and so quite often it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because Mm. someone goes oh no one will like that that becomes the culture and the norm and yet when people do challenge it all of that resistance that people talk about isn't there so making sure that you you know understand why something's happening so at least you're not going to completely just trample over people's views but then work through why isn't this the right thing to do? What are we going to do differently? Where do we really want to get to? That's the that's Invisible Hour. Wow.
3: I, I can see that in you as well. Don't check, just don't take no for an answer yeah. in reasoning. Yeah. Do everything with kindness and yeah. grace. we we'll yeah. get to the answer, right? Yeah, absolutely. And one piece of advice for young people that... You, you can only share one piece of advice, or we've mm. shared lots of advice and wisdom today, mm. but one piece of advice that you want young people to leave with today? There's no such
4: thing as perfection so by that I mean there is no perfect job there's no perfect life there's no perfect happy outcome what so all those Instagram things are... all those Instagram things take with a pinch of salt um, what I would say though is there is your perfect so it's about what really drives and matters to you so for me you always have to have a balance though with every job with every part of your life with your friends with your home life you know with school There will be things that drain your energy, that you don't enjoy, that make you unhappy. There will be things that give you energy. So they give you joy, they give you happiness, they give you meaning. The balance always has to be that you get more joy Mm. than what drains. Because when it flips, you become unhappy. And when you become unhappy, everything else can fall away. So it's sometimes in balance. Sometimes you're like, oh, this is a bit at my time in life. But actually on balance, you should be, you get more joy from everything you're doing. And then
3: that's your your perfect. Find your joy and there's no such thing as perfect. The perfect is your perfect. Your perfect, yeah. And my final, final question. Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. What's your duvet flip? What gets you out of bed in the morning to flip the duvet? So
4: my duvet flip is about making sure that everybody can feel included, whether they're using our transport network or they're coming to work for our transport network. Um, And if we can get that right, then actually the world will be a better place.
3: Absolutely, amen to that. Uh, I just want to say thank you for your time, your wisdom, and your kindness, and everything in between. This has been really cool. And thank you for just being your authentic self and the perfect you.
4: Thank you very much.
0: Finances can sometimes feel a bit puzzling. Maybe it's that confusing car insurance policy. Or working out the right protection for your health, home and family. Or feeling unsure if your pension is on the right path. Aviva can help make these conundrums click. Helping solve your financial puzzles? It takes
1: a viva is what you're doing still doing it for you. They, she, we, it. I am E.Y. For a purpose that inspires me, and a culture that accepts. For a team that relies on me and makes me better for it. Knowing I'm always respected for being absolutely me. For my work to have meaning. Ideas becoming actions and my direction my own. For leaders that challenge, guide and support. Empowering me to be all I can and bring everything I am. My skills accelerated. My voice amplified. For always feeling heard and saying without hesitation, I love what I do. That's why. EY.
2: She got the job! Yeah, 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 she
1: got the job! Who yeah, 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 got the
2: job? Ready!
3: She got the job! She got the job! She got the job!
2: Find your I Got the Job job on Total Jobs.